I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to the Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name is Sarah Morgan. Hello. My guest this episode is Riley Silverman. Riley is a stand-up comedian and writer based in Los Angeles. I first became aware of Riley's work when I heard her 2015 album called Intimate Apparel, which I highly recommend you uh, find in the usual comedy album places. It is excellent. Um, Riley and I then worked together on a show called International Waters, a podcast panel show. Uh, Riley's still head writer on that show. Um, I then was in LA for work and I sat down with Riley in her office in Hollywood, baby. <laughs> that is what they call it. And <laughs> she was kind enough to sit down with me and talk to me about fear. Now, to let light in on magic, it will become obvious very soon into this conversation because of context um this might have been recorded a little while ago um i'm really sorry it's taken so long to bring out and all i can say is i'm just so goddamn happy that this episode is finally coming out because for me it's like the perfect fear episode in terms of pop culture and uh, personal stories we talk about everything from panic attacks to peewee herman uh, talk a lot about Doctor Who because Riley's a giant Whovian, as you're about to hear. And of course, it's worth pointing out that um, this episode was recorded way before anyone could even conceive of the idea that one day we might have a lady doctor. Um, but yeah, Jodie Whittaker is going to be Doctor Who. That's going to happen um, on Sunday, 7th of October. I am very excited at the idea of a TARDIS full of bras. Yay! Um, if you don't know Riley's work, find her, adore her. She has an amazing new stand-up special called Everything is Fine on Seed and Spark. If you like the episode, uh, let me know what you think of it at The Fear Podcast. Rate and review it on iTunes. Not that anyone ever does or has, but why not buck that trend, baby? Prove me wrong, kids. Uh, <laughs> and finally, before we go to the interview, uh, last tiny bit of admin uh, about what you're about to hear. Um, we off mic we were talking about this really interesting article about trans representation in horror films um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, so you know what we're talking about uh, in Gremlins 2 the actor John Glover played Daniel Clamp we couldn't remember his name and finally spoiler alert the 2016 US election was actually won by um um Let's talk a bit about your relationship with Doctor Who because that is, in our country at least, it's the ultimate like first thing you're scared of. Yeah. Uh, it's it's there's a you know the the, the you know watching behind the sofa is the yeah, cliche. Docs, yeah. So is that uh, did you come to Doctor Who as a child or is that as a, as a grown up? I came into it as an adult. I mean, I, I was aware of it as a kid, but it was on like PBS and I was I didn't watch a lot of which is public broadcasting yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch a lot of PBS stuff as a kid. Like it was like. 
Doctor Who would be on and like Dark Shadows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it all just felt very grown up for me. Like I didn't know that it was a kids show. Mm. So I didn't watch it then. I didn't get into it until the, the reboot era, like the modern era. Sure. Yeah. And do you think it still uh, holds up in terms of like, does it, do you get freaked out by it? Does it scare you? Um, a little bit. I mean, there's a couple of them that are really creepy. Like uh, there's one, like some of the stuff with like the silence and the people like in the background, that was really yeah. scary. And there was one episode in, in Peter Capaldi's first season that was like all about fear. And there was one scene in particular where it was like a little, there was something hiding under the bed and they never explained what it was on the show. And that was really creepy. I remember that one, yeah. There was, yeah. yeah. Listen, was what it was I was about to say what it was under the bed, and this is. And they never be. said, yeah. They had a whole scene, and like the back was turned to it, and it was really. I remember watching it at a friend's house, and it was like the lights were out, and it was like we were all like under blankets, and that was actually fun. We were like terrified of it, so. Yeah. So, are you the sort of person who likes to be scared? I, I'm not. I, I am, and I'm not. I like thrill rides like I like roller coasters, uh-huh. and I will if somebody makes me watch a horror movie, I will get into it. Okay. But I, I think. As someone who at least, like, has I've been physically assaulted and at, for who I am. And so I do have that, like, fear already when I'm out sure. in the world. And I do find that I'm less excited to pursue fear as a hobby since sure. then. So that may be part of it. Like, I definitely have a little bit of PTSD from when I was attacked. And so things that I think maybe used to be... Like, when, when someone jumps out at me now out of the darkness, mm-hmm. whatever, I, I'm furious at them. Like, it throws me... And I used to think it was funny. And now I will almost punch somebody, and I'm not uh, a violent person. But, sure, yeah. no, oh my god. I mean, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk about that a bit more. Cause oh, that's, sure. That's uh, yeah, that's terrifying. Like that you, yeah. so you deal with kind of scary shit on a day to day basis. So yeah. What, what happened? I was uh, I was actually I, of all weekends I was going to a pride event. It was in LA in 2014, and I was going down into the the subway station, and there was a guy who I, I walked by him. He was on an escalator, and he saw me. Uh, dressed as myself and he decided to take an issue with that and he shouted something at me and I get shouted at all the time so I usually just let it go and don't even think about it don't even acknowledge it mm-hmm. um, and then I went down I thought I was safe because I went into a crowd of people mm-hmm. but I, the mistake that I made was like I didn't turn to face him like I, I so I didn't see where he was right. and he came up behind me and he grabbed me by the shoulder and like got in my face mm-hmm. and um, and he said like skirts are for ladies like I was supposed to go oh oh really oh my god <laughs> no one told me you know <sighs> And so then it turned into, like, this fight. Like, he grabbed me, and I kind of, like, grabbed him back, and then, like, he started hitting me, and I, I was, like, defending myself. But, um, yeah, that all happened because this guy didn't like that I exist. And Jeez, so... that's awful. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that happened about two years ago. And, I, you know, I've written stand-up about it, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm doing better with it now, but I definitely had a couple of years where mm-hmm. it was always kind of a lingering thing. Yeah. And, yeah. I remember my birthday that year. Maybe it was last year. I think it was, that was that year... I was, it was, it was that year, it was 2014, I remember I was waiting to meet friends, they were, they were going out to karaoke, and it was a bar that I'd never been to, and I remember they were running late, and I didn't know they were running late until I was already, like, on the street waiting to go in, and it's this neighborhood I don't know, I don't know what the vibe is in the bar, I don't know, because it, it can be really blue collar it can be really, like, like, it can be, like, a bit of, like, a really, like, very aggressive male energy in a yeah. lot of bars, and so I was afraid to go in without them. And then I basically sat in the car and ended up giving myself a panic attack until finally, like, I had, like, once I finally calmed down, I, like, drove myself home. Because then I was like, even if they show up now, I don't want to hang out anymore. Because I'm like, I got so free. I got so worked yeah. up. Like, I was sobbing in the car, like, shaking and, like, hyperventilating. And then I, like, that's why I was like, oh, maybe I actually have some issues that are with this. But yeah. yeah. 
Um, oh my god, I can't. I mean, the, just you know, the the having to like fear is you know obviously something everyone has to do. Panic attacks, fuck me, of course. I know everything about panic attacks, but like that uh, and and uh, I so many people. It seems to be like a higher percentage of people in comedy uh, seem to. It, it, maybe it's just that they acknowledge that they have anxiety. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of what the show's about. It's like uh, uh, the fact that we're, we're, we're kind of all like completely prepared to admit that there's a reason why we're funny and it's because we are like kind of more anxious. Than, yeah, than absolutely. That. Do you agree with that theory? Oh, absolutely. I think there is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but also on, uh, dealing with that as well and the fact that, you know, you have to like assess before you can go and stand outside a bar. Yeah. I mean, I guess all women have to do that. Yeah, but that's sure. A, that's uh, adult them. I mean, that's just shit. I'm so sorry. That's, I hate that that happens. I do too. I hate. That. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. That what you're saying because I think that. Um, I mean, what is anxiety if it's not a hyper awareness of, situ- of situations? Mm. And that's what stand up requires you to be. It's hyper aware yeah. of things. So, and, and as a comedian, you have to look at things with a weird skewed angle, mm. and that means you have to be really aware of what's happening when you're doing that. Mm. And I, I definitely, because I know that most of my really great material that I write. Um, that I'm most proud of is always filtered through my pain or, or concern yeah, or something like that. So, yeah. yeah, you'd stay your, the worst thing in the world that you could possibly have other people know about you and then say it. Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly. always the funnier stuff. I mean, I'm a writer and that's the, yeah, that's yeah. always the stuff when you're like, God, no one must ever know this terrible secret about me. Shit, now I have to write it. Yeah, yeah. now I know that's, that that's the... That's what led to me coming out eventually yeah. in stand because I was, I did comedy for like around eight years mm-hmm. um, living in the closet and, and pretending as a cis man because I was so afraid that if I came out as trans, I would lose my career. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I, I started getting way more honest on stage mm-hmm. around 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And I remember New Year's, New Year's resolution 2009 was like, you have, this is the year you have to be, get, you have to be okay with who you are and mm-hmm. you have to be okay with people knowing who you are. And it took me most of that year, but I did come out that year. And a big reason was because I'm like, I can't be myself on stage if I'm, if I'm lying about who I am to every. I can't be honest in my material. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The, your material was good. Like, I love that. I love the, the kind of like the calculation of that where it's just like, yeah. I'm going to lose my career if I'm not myself and I'm going to lose my career if I am and myself. myself. So I'm, I'm, if I'm going to lose it either way, I should lose it for being myself. Yeah. And I had a At really awful gig. on your gig. terms then. Yeah. And I had a really awful gig the night, the night before I came out. I had this terrible gig mm-hmm. that I had to drive like my, my the other comic and I drove eight hours together to eight hours back and I remember around three in the morning on the way back we were driving through Indianapolis and it was like a lot of traffic and I remember like just sitting in the car my, my, my friend was asleep and I remember going is this what I'm gonna lose if I come out like am I not gonna be at three in the morning in Indianapolis sitting in traffic through construction oh I guess I'll be okay like, yeah that's amazing can you tell me about the first gig you did coming out uh actually it was very comfortable it was um, it was the open mic that I did in the town that I was doing. I was based out of Columbus, Ohio, and it was this like weekly gig that was it was like very supportive. It was a place to go to work out stuff, and I was there so often. And I had I was one of like the the bigger fish in the small pond at that mm-hmm. point, so I kind of had a little bit of like a built in. Um, like what's what I'm looking for? Like I had I had a bit of like a permission from the audience sure. to mess around, and mm-hmm. I, I had freedom to explore ideas and freedom to fail a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a really good space for me just to go out and do that. And I remember going on stage and just at the time I was still saying I was a crossdresser, mm-hmm. 
and I remember just plowing through material about it that I had, like, kind of nervously compiled. Because I had tried it before, but I was way too nervous before, and so I just fumbled it, and I think I tried to, like, gloss over it. And, like, only, like, one friend even realized what I was saying at the time. But I remember that night, the night that I came out on stage, I remember another friend of mine who had known me the entire time I was doing comedy. We, like, met the first week I started, and... After my set, I went to the bar because I needed all the drinks. And, <laughs> and, and he just said it. He goes, he goes, hey, that's the most confident I've ever seen you on stage. Oh, that's amazing. And that was yeah. all BS. Like, I had faked it, but it looked great. So yeah. that's what I, for a long time, even though I was terrified to go on stage and talk about it, I would just go, okay, but you, have, you can't let them know you're afraid. And I do know there was a couple of shows where I mm. let my nerves get to me, and I definitely even got feedback from other comments, like, you seem scared of this, like, you seem ashamed of it. And I'm like, yeah, i, I got to be careful yeah. not doing that. So but That's, like, the number one rule for, I don't do stand-up, but I speak to a lot of stand-ups and my friends, that's, like, the number one rule anyways, don't let people know yeah. that you're scared anyway. So yeah, it's like talking to the, dogs. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Audiences yeah. are like dogs. <laughs> yeah. I used to be so scared on stage. Mm-hmm. I remember, I, and I didn't show it as much as some people did, but I felt it. Like, I remember I'd being on stage, and luckily in those eras I was still wearing pants because my knees would be shaking like crazy, <laughs> but, like, you wouldn't be able to tell if I was wearing, like, baggy, early 2000s oh, that's baggy why boy Hillary pants. Does it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I have to say, uh, uh, Riley is wearing a gorgeous, I want one, uh, sort of gray mall. Uh, sweatshirt uh, was it like a baseball top yeah like a, they call them like a, like a baseball tee yeah, yeah that just says uh, Hillary 16 on it and yeah. I kind of want one I love it I got it when the uh, I, I ordered it to have and it came just in time for the convention so I could wear it while watching the convention and although it's kind of thick and it was mid-July in Los Angeles but I'm in my apartment like AC's on I don't care <laughs> I actually bought because tomorrow is election day and yes so the time of recording this this is this is the eve of Something happening. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I've done like three <laughs> podcasts in the last week because I'm very famous and yeah, everybody wants me. Of course. Uh, but thank you so much for taking time. Of course, every but every and every one of them I've done, we've talked about the election, but all of them are going to air after the election. Mm. And I'm like, oh my god, what a weird thing it's going to be. Maybe electricity won't even work there. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, not. <laughs> maybe there'll be no such thing as the cloud anymore, and we'll. You yeah. know, it's it's funny because last Sunday when I saw you. I was definitely way more afraid than I think I am now. Right. Like, I think I've, I've either made peace with it or I feel like the tide turned enough that I feel more confident than I was. Like, I'm not still, the, the woods are there. And I remember what the numbers were for Brexit. So I'm like, I know there's like still that fear lingering. Mm-hmm. But I, I voted on Saturday. I waited almost four hours to vote and I was sick, but I was like, I don't care. I want to get this done. That was, um, that was, I love seeing all my friends who live in LA. Like, they do early voting here and, and, just queuing up for like four hours in the yeah. blazing sunshine. I know it's not uh, blazing sunshine for you. <laughs> for me, well, it was. No, it was pretty because like it was weird because we were moving in and out from being under trees. Like we were, we were waiting in line uh, in this park because there was a park by a library. And the library is where the early voting place was. And so we kept moving in and out of these like zones mm-hmm. of, it was like when they talk about the planet moving through like weird zones in the universe. Like yeah. we have like, for this 20 minutes, we're standing in the sun. For this 20 minutes, we're in the shade. And like, right, and kept switching back and forth. Oh, wow. But I love it. That's such a great response to fear. Yeah. I think that everyone decided to, like, the do more. Like, I know people who are, like, phone banking and yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, it feels like, it feels like there's a, so much hope comes from fear. Like, that's yeah. a great thing where everyone's just like, we're so scared of this thing happening. Well, it's so weird because, like, this election, her opposition, Hillary's opposition did a really good job of 
taking the air out of what should have been like a very inspiring, exciting mm. campaign. Oh, yeah. And I think finally this like last week or so I've started to really feel that energy from people who, mm. who normally would have had it way earlier. Mm. I've had it all summer because mm. I, I thought this year's Democratic National Convention is one of the best political conventions I've ever seen in my entire life. It was mm. so hopeful. It was so inclusive. Mm. Like there was so much like excitement about what the future could be mm. and not not just because I mean, I'm very biased because for the first time in history a transgender person addressed a national convention mm. and that was a big deal yeah. but and that was a Sarah McBride who was amazing but um, like it was just there was so much diversity and there was so much voice and there was so much hope and it was weird because normally with American political conventions the Republican convention is super patriotic and a lot of flag waving, and the Democratic one is not as much, and they get they get hammered for it. But and this year, man, the Democratic one was all about like rah rah military. Like here's <laughs> they had like a whole like 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 uh, color guard come in at one point, yeah. and then, like it was really bizarre to see because it was like that, but also Black Lives Matter, mm. and like also like. Um, mothers of of children who have been shot by police officers coming in and speaking about yeah, the problems of that and um and transgender people and we had like all these just the the amount of diversity versus the other convention yeah. like but unfortunately the big top story was that there was a group of bernie sanders like supporting protesters there but it's like overall the overall convention was really amazing yeah that's terrifying when the story becomes the left tearing itself apart yeah that's kind of what's going on I've just noticed your nasty woman. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's kind of fading a little bit already. It was a temporary, and it, temporary I, I tattoo. It in a place where I shouldn't know because like it's on my where the curves are on my hand. So mm-hmm. like where my hand folds, so it's already kind of falling apart. That's but, great. But I also have my real tattoo, which is my Doctor yeah. Who tattoo. Speaking of the good doctor, yeah. Tell me about your Doctor Who tattoo. Yes, <laughs> actually, it kind of falls into the anxiety and fear thing. Yeah. It's actually it says deep breath, mm. and it's written in clockwork gears. And it comes from the first episode of Peter Capaldi, who, if you haven't figured out by now, is my doctor. Um, <laughs> uh, he in the so around the time when Matt Smith was leaving and Peter Capaldi was starting was around the time when I was really starting to be like, okay, I am going to transition. I'm going to take hormones and live full time as a woman. And I, that was before that, I was living very gender fluid mm-hmm. and like kind of in between. And I was like, no, I'm. This is what I need to do. And when Matt Smith regenerated gave this big speech at the end of the episode that was like, we're all different people throughout our lives and that's okay, but, you know, as long as you keep moving forward and don't forget, and there's a line, remember all the people that you used to be. So that was like a really big moment for me prior to transitioning. And then in the, I was still building up to deciding to start the hormones and I remember in Capaldi's first episode, there's this scene at the end and it's when he is standing outside of a TARDIS with Clara Oswald and she's been the doctor's friend for a while now, but she doesn't know if she can handle this new version of him. And he's in front of her and he's talking to her and he's like, I'm right in front of you and you can't even see me. Can you, do you have any idea how that feels? Just, just see me. And like, that was like the waterworks. Like that's like my, okay, I'm, I'm really yeah, trying you're making to me cry. to it. I know. I know. Um, gonna cry. But that, that moment. Look at the light. Look at the light. <laughs> It's okay, safe space. We can both cry. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> but that was a really important moment for me because I was like right before I started taking hormones and everything. Cool. And so it's a really – so this this is this says deep breath and there's a hidden 12 you can see in the B there. No, no, no. I can feel it. Deep breath. 
Why? Why did you do this? Because I think it's going to be a whopper. And I think you might be scared. And however scared you are, Clara, the man you are with right now, the man I hope you are with, believe me, he is more scared than anything you can imagine right now. And he... So who is it? Is that the doctor? Is that the doctor? Yes. And then the reason why deep breath is so important to me is because it also is just a reminder. I look down my arm, take a deep breath. And there's yeah. been times where I've been stressed out or freaked out or anxious and I will look down and like, or pissed off or whatever and I'll look down and go, okay. And then like, it's good. It's, um, it's so, I, lo- I find it so reassuring that back to anxiety and panic attacks that we are all this clockwork meatbag, essentially, yeah. that, 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 that needs air in it. And yeah. all you have to do is stop it from not getting air yeah. in it. Get out of your own fucking way <laughs> and breathe. That was that was when I cracked panic attacks. Not that I've cracked them, but like mm-hmm. I realised that I was in my kitchen and I was having a panic attack of about nothing at all, just came out of nowhere. And uh, I realised, and I was like, you know, when you start doing that worst case scenario thing in your head, like, like, uh, and I was like, what would happen if I just passed out? Because there's a point in the panic where you just think, I'm just going to die. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to die right here. And that's. And then I was what would be the, well, I know I'm not actually going to die, so I'll just pass <laughs> out. And then what will happen? Well, actually, my body will kick in. My yeah, body yeah. will start breathing in, and our muggins here will stop fucking getting in the way <laughs> of this process that it wants to do. Yeah. And that was such a like great epiphany. And exactly that, it's that breathing thing. It's like if you are freaking out, it's so lovely that we are. It's I love that we're just sacks of meat with yeah. like just going. <sighs> and uh, yeah, there's a line it's... from the new Maria Semple book which says it's um, smell the soup, cool the soup. That's <laughs> 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 like, what you're meant to tell kids: smell the soup, cool the soup. <sighs> Hello and welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. Martin's voice really jumped up Just onto my back <laughs> and sneaked round to the side of my neck and went down my throat and then came out again. And suddenly, there he was. I think I'm the only scaffolder or ex-scaffolder to have been on a BAFTA-type stage. There's more money in faces. There's more money in faces, but there's no control... That's what I like. I you like can't control. control face. I can't control where I put my face. And Rory sort of pitched to James, can the can flute be the last word? Because I think that's the funniest mm. word to end on. And James went, I know it is, and that's why I don't want it to be at the end. But yep. there's this idea that there's a limited amount of space for funny. It's like when men think they have to go out with someone who's not funny. <laughs> as if, like, but if she's funny, what'll I do? You're like, you'll both laugh! You will both have a laugh! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. After a long, hot summer of World Cup action, the nights will soon be drawing in again. And as the barbecues and after-work drinks in the sunshine peter out, you might find yourself at home accidentally watching The One Show. But fear not, you don't have to, because the podcast that takes the bullet for you is back for Series 2. Last season, we marvelled at a film in which Chris Akabusi investigated baby farming... We were astounded by Tommy Steele's anecdotes... Suddenly, the ship goes... What the... And suddenly I'll see these two bodies. Oh, dear me. And we accidentally engineered the resignation of regular one-show presenter Jay Rayner. You have to understand that I'm on this so that I can never be on the show ever again. This is basically your resignation Because you can't, yeah, you can't leave. Nobody leaves the the family. (laughs) So who knows what will happen this time. Find out as the show that analyses a TV show that doesn't warrant analysing returns. It's The The One Show Show, back in September. I want to talk about your relationship with horror... Because oh. you said that you'll see a horror film. I will, but I have to be drag kicking and screaming into it. Okay. And then I will get into it usually. Like, I have, so I write for Pajiba, a pop culture yeah. site. Mm. And we do this thing, right? We're doing it this year at least called Every Wednesday We Do a 52 Films by Women. So we do a. Mm. 52 films by women, sorry, I talk very fast. 52 films by women. Yeah, and so every the idea is every week we do a new movie that's been directed mm-hmm. by a female director. Mm. And so for October, I decided to do The Babadook because I had mm. never seen it and I was scared of it. Yeah. And everyone told me it was really scary. Mm. And I, I didn't had not watched it. I, I made myself watch it to do this article. And that was part of why I picked it. Mm-hmm. And it freaked me out. And it actually is a wonderful movie. And as somebody who does deal with that whole, the whole, um, the grief or the, the, the fear of the assault and stuff like that. And like PTSD, mm-hmm. it actually was a really perfect movie for me to watch. Because it really is a lot to do with like confronting your, the, the grief or the pain that you have. That prevents yeah. you from functioning. Yeah. And how to, like, get it under control. And it's very much about how, like, that pain isn't, maybe not, maybe never going to go away, but you can be not ruled by it. Yeah. And without saying much more, without spoiling the movie, but um, it was the perfect movie to watch at that exact time, too, because there was this weird meme that was going around where, speaking of this election, and someone had a bumper sticker from a, a Trump supporter that had a... Stick figure of a of a Confederate flag kicking a person with a gay pride flag in the stomach, and it was like this really horrific, violent image. And the thing is, the exact opposite image exists too, where it's a gay pride flag kicking a Confederate flag. <laughs> and I think that was actually the first one. I think it was actually created when because there was an era, there was a point when gay marriage was legalized in America. Around the same time, there was a huge push to take down the Confederate flag in a lot of southern states. Mm. Long overdue, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people try to equate them, like, ah, gay pride goes up and, and Confederate flag is uh, out, which is a little bit, hey, white progressiveness, like, we don't really get to claim that. And, like, yeah. like, like queer people of color have at it, but if you're yeah. white and queer, you don't get to be like, oh, we defeated the Confederacy. That is yeah. not your, but anyway. Yeah. Um, either way, it just, it really, the, the, the flag kicking the queer flag, like, 
really bothered me because I'm a, a victim of that exact kind of assault. And that was the night that I was supposed to be watching that movie. Yeah. And then I remember like everyone kept posting about it on my Facebook, and like it was I had to get off Facebook because it was driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't even watch the movie because I was like so worked up from it. And then the next morning I got up and I watched the movie. I'm like, oh, this is actually the perfect movie to be watching right now. That's such a great read of that movie. Like, I love that film, and I watched it weirdly. I watched it in LA. Uh, thousands of miles away from my child, mm-hmm. uh, slightly high on legal weed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and on my own in an Airbnb, and like the perfect environment for just freaking the shit out. Like, why I just chose to stare into this abyss. I yeah. don't know why I chose to do it. Yeah, and I that's loved a pretty it. Rough one. It, yeah, because it, yeah. it was like I, I sort of created this perfect storm of like the worst environment to watch a really, really fucking scary film about, yeah. <laughs> uh, about well, postnatal depression or yeah. grief or like all these kind of terrifying things. And as you say, it's that is kind of the moral of the film. It hadn't even occurred to me. Now that is the point of the film is just like you. I'm going to spoil the film. You befriend yeah. your grief. You yeah. you. You make friends with your grief. You acknowledge it, or the or you feed it. My read, control of, feed it, you, yeah. you control feed it. The the my read of it was very much being a film about, but that's why it's a great film because there's so many different reads sure. about postnatal depression and just a woman acknowledging that it's hard to have a kid yeah. and your kid scares the shit out of you and is sometimes like an actual monster who wants to kill you yeah, or yeah. that you might kill it by accident and uh, that was uh, and then yeah the 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 ending being. Yep, that's okay to feel like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it's so okay just, to... Just you, face it and you have yeah, to just deal with it. You just it. stare it down and it turns out if you stare it down... Back to what we were, exactly back to what we were saying yeah. before, you just stare it down. And the other thing that really freaks me out, like actually scares me and like disturbs me to like my core for uh-huh. some reason in modern horror movies like as an intangible thing is anything that's like weird body horror stuff. Okay. Like when someone likes like starts like bending over backwards and walking on their hands mm. on the ceiling and like or like crab walks like in like but like in a way that a human body can't turn yeah. that freaks I don't know what it is about that that like freaks me out so much like in all these like possession movies that have what's happening that's oh, interesting God. I don't know what it is about it's, that is that, that a is that a and I'm really going like sledgehammer psychoanalysis here is that a transitioning thing like your body is I don't uh, think it is but now that you said it now I'm gonna think that for now on yeah because yeah. I find uh, anything with yeah bodies changing like when I was pregnant I got really obsessed by watching uh, things with like pregnancy demon people having demon babies and yeah oh yeah baby I can imagine those kind of things where you're like it could be the idea yeah. of like not being in control of your own mm. body and like your yeah. own body being kind of a traitor to you which is definitely a feeling that I've had a lot of course, in my life yeah. so one funny thing about the Babadook before we move on from <laughs> that um Katie Dippold, who was the writer of the Ghostbusters movie, yeah, and she used to write Parks and Recreation. Mm. There's a great photo of her on Twitter she shared last year where she went to a Halloween party as the Babadook, <laughs> but nobody else dressed up in costume. <laughs> so you see this picture of her sitting in like a black coat with a white face paint and the black hair and the hat, and everybody else is just kind of chilling, drinking wine. Yeah, it's like the funniest. Oh, that kind of dis- there. yeah, that movie. Once I once I saw that picture, I'm like, okay, I'll never be scared of this movie ever again because this picture is so funny. What did you uh, guys for Halloween? Uh, well, you saw one of them this year. I was Spider-Gwen. Of course you were Spider-Gwen. Yes, yeah. I did. I saw you. That yeah. was kind of half Halloween, half uh, going to a comic convention. Mm. Um, I also was... I'm a giant nerd, but I was... <laughs> no. What? No. What? I was Bellatrix Lestrange from Harry Potter, <laughs> but I wanted to wear my Slytherin robes and my cool green dress that I had, so I told people I was teenage Bellatrix. Yes. Um, and then I also was a Scarlet Witch from, from Marvel, the Marvel movies. Wow. You had three costumes. Because there is a really bad trope 
mm. of of using trans people as this kind of like creepy villain yeah. in like especially like eighties and nineties and some prior to that too, like yeah. a little bit like psycho and stuff like that. But um and it even even blends into like comedies because like Ace Ventura has a has a very transphobic ending. Yeah. And only recently has that really kind of started getting acknowledged. Like there was actually a joke about it on Brooklyn Nine Nine this year. Um, what was the joke? Oh, the joke was they—they're they're in Florida mm-hmm. and like they named this school the Ace Ventura, like the team was like the, mm-hmm. like the Ace Ventura, whatever's. Yeah. And uh, Andy Samberg was like, he's like, good film, solid jokes, only gets overtly transphobic at the very end, but otherwise <laughs> still a win. And like I was like, great, like, yeah. Wow. Um, There's actually a, a, a British transgender comedian, uh, Avery Edison, and I remember uh-huh. she tweeted about. That's how I found out. I hadn't seen the episode yet, and she tweeted about it. I'm like, oh yeah, so I went and watched it. Yeah, but. God, it's so fucking weird how. Uh, how how that is a trope that there's yeah. but yeah you like that psycho is this classic and it, and it's it, that, I guess psycho is kind of different because he's dressing up as his mother the, the, yeah but I mean that's but what people thought of trans people back then yes exactly like, yeah exactly like, it's a guy in a dress and that's yeah shit, yeah oh and it's man. a guy who has a woman's voice in his head telling him to do bad things and yeah like, and that, I mean it does it's, to be fair to that one and even mm-hmm. to Silence of the Lambs a little bit but I'm not going to give it that much credit. No. The Ed Gein story really did have that element to yeah. it, and that's who it's based off of. Yeah. But, like, Silence of the Lambs, they actually, like, go out of their way to try to say that Buffalo Bill is not transgender mm. and was, like, rejected for trans treatment, and that's why he went crazy and started killing people or whatever. <laughs> but... That's, the, that's shit in itself, well, though. Yeah, and well, the, interesting, the interesting thing about that is that that's their explanation based on... 80s and 90s tropes mm. of what trans identity is. Yeah. But so much of what they say in that movie that, like, the disregards his identity mm. is what, like, today would be considered, like, like transphobic or yeah. terrific, turfy almost. Because, like, it's, it's this idea, like, when I was growing up, like, in the 80s especially... I didn't know there wasn't much information for me available yeah. for trans stuff. So I say more 90s when I got on the internet and could, like, research mm. it. There was still this very prevailing idea... That if you were a transgender woman, that it meant that you were like this hyper feminized, almost like fifty mm. stereotype caricature of what a woman was. Yeah, like a like a RuPaul's Drag Race version yeah. of uh, yeah of, of females, which I love. Oh, I love RuPaul's Drag Race. I love it, but it's like this cargo cult yeah. version of what some gay men think women are like, and I yeah, love yeah. that because it's like. It's so. Oh, is that what you think we are? That's yeah, yeah. so adorable. And it's kind of become its own thing. But yeah. like that was like, like and, a and, little yeah, more like, like trans. Trans was considered like a little bit more of like a pedestrian version of that for mm. a long time. And it was like unless you're this, this, and this, then you're not really trans. Unless you feel so. A lot of the thi- like a lot of the reasons why like Buffalo Bill was not considered yeah. trans in that yeah. movie would have applied to me as well. Right. I mean, I'm not a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> But I, uh, yeah. yeah, but like, that's what's interesting about it. And that's what that piece that I, I shared was talking about, where it was basically this trans writer who was deciding that she wanted to reclaim Buffalo Bill as like mm-hmm. a, a victim of transphobia of the era. Yeah. And like, not, wow, that's interesting. you know, not yeah. make her into a, and then that's one thing in the article, she referred to Bill as she the entire time and was like, and she's like, I'm not trying to say that she's still not a monster and not a murderer, yeah. but like, this is a person who's in a lot of pain and like, as a trans like like culture writer, she felt like there's there was some power in reclaiming Bill as like a troubled ants yeah. kind of character. This past summer, because so Max Fun, I went to Max mm, Fun Con, yeah, and I was sitting in listening to the live Pop Rocket show, mm. and there was a lot of there was a discussion about summer camp movies, and mm. there's a '80s horror film called Sleepaway Camp. 
And the big reveal of that movie Mm -hmm. is that the slasher is a trans woman. And it's, and like, there's like a shot of her like naked, like Mm -hmm. screaming and like, you'd like see like her penis and like, and I remember even at this pop rocket recording, Mm -hmm. like that no one spoiled it. I just spoiled it for your listeners because I don't give a shit. It's a terrible movie. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, it's It's also been out for a decade. So if you're spoiled, that's on you at this point. But I remember everyone in the room treated like, oh, yeah, it's one of the best twists of all time. And it's like, in a space that I thought that I was, like, accepted oh, and safe. Was, and I was, but still, I was like, I actually ended up walking out of the recording. Like, I was like, because yeah. I was in the back of the room. I wasn't on stage. I was in the back. If I was on yeah. stage, I would have called him out immediately. Yeah. But I was in a position where, like, I couldn't just be shouting from the back of the room. So I left. I was like, I can't, I can't sit here and have people that I respect and uh, audience people who, who I think are supposed to like me laughing about the weird character in a yeah, movie. Yeah, but it's like there's so little representation and then it, it went, it, the, the idea that the, uh, a, a trans character in a film has got like um, completely messed up and their mum forced, isn't that the sleepboy camp thing? Yeah, uh, they, yeah. A, a boy, a, a, the girl child died and so the boy was forced into a dress. Yeah, it definitely was, a, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and it's also just like that trope yeah. contributed to the modern fear and hatred yeah. of trans people. So, like, there's that, it's that trans panic in the back of people's minds. Like, mm. oh, wait, these people are mentally disturbed and should be feared. Yeah. And, and that's well, a sure thing. It's so funny because there's such a fear of, like, what are they going to do in the bathroom? But it's like, <laughs> that's still illegal. Like, if, if, if yeah. like, like, nothing would stop a cis woman from going in the bathroom either, but if she was going to do something weird, or, like, also, somebody the point, like, well, you send little boys in the bathroom with men all the time, so, yeah. if, like, why are you only concerned about your daughters getting molested and not the little boys that go in the bathroom? It's like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's there's so many other things that are yeah. happening here besides just what gender somebody is and they're going in the bathroom. Uh, so, first of all, you tell me, um, I think we've kind of covered it in a few different ways, but maybe you have something else. Your favorite moment from a TV or or film horror, your favorite horror moment. It doesn't have to be a horror film, but mm-hmm. your favorite scary I think moment. it's that scene Doctor Who was talking about yeah. with the kid on the bed. I think that's one of the few times in the last couple years where I was like, that was really creepy and always stuck with me for a while afterwards. I know you're afraid. But being afraid is all right. Because didn't anybody ever tell you? Fear is a superpower. Fear can make you faster and cleverer and stronger. And one day, you're going to come back to this barn and on that day, you're going to be very afraid indeed. But that's okay. Because if you're very wise and very strong, fear doesn't have to make you cruel. Fear can make you kind. Well, let's talk about what you were, what you were scared of as a kid. Kiwi's Big Adventure. <gasps> yeah. It was Large Mars. Thanks for stopping. <laughs> Some night, huh? On this very night, ten years ago, along this same stretch of road, in a dense fog, just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound, like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building.
when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck. It looked like this. <laughs> and also, the scene in that movie where he's having that nightmare where the like the like doctor, I think they're clowns. I don't remember. I like they're like destroying his bike. And, like, there's, like, weird music, and there's, like, all this, like, trippy... Like, that freaked me out yeah. so... I couldn't watch it as a kid. Like, even as an adult, like, I think that scene, like, when it comes up, I'm like, I don't want to... I don't want to... No. As a kid, you don't always see things course, in the order yeah. they air. So mm. the first Pee-wee I had was Pee-wee's Playhouse. Mm. And watched it every day, and there was always, like, what's the secret word? People would scream, and there was <laughs> Cherry. So it was just, just goofy, dorky kid and show. How, so how old are you then? You were sort of like a... I mean... As old as I can remember, and I, I don't know off the top of my head the exact years, but I, it's one of the things that I always just remember being a thing. Yeah. So um, I can look it up. Like, right. It didn't feel like no, it's cool too. And it didn't feel like dark or weird to you. It felt like friendly and yeah. I, I mean, it was definitely it was a it was a cute weird it was a weird, absurdist show, but it wasn't scary at all. And then I was like, oh, Pee Wee, there's a movie with Pee Wee, and it'd be on TV a lot. And I would watch Pee Wee the movie and not understand that it was a movie intended for adults and not for kids. Oh, and okay. so I watched it, and it was like, this is terrifying at mm. times. Like, even like when it's like, there's a scene where he's like running in and out of the pet shop getting all the animals. Yeah. Even that was scary. Like, oh my God, I don't want to, because you don't, when you're a kid, you don't understand that characters won't be dying in movies that they're the headliners. Yeah, you of, don't, you know? yeah, you don't, God, that's so, that's so true. Yeah, the scene where it's, uh, yeah, he's saving all the animals, and, and you're like, the snakes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, was there other, what else, um, uh, away from TV and horror, what else were you scared of as a kid? Um, I remember we had a boat at on the Ohio River, which goes like through like the whole Midwest of Ohio, of America, and we had a boat down there. And there was a story about how like a century earlier, this bridge had collapsed, and people were in their cars, and there were these massive catfish in the river who ate the people. Because they were they were these giant catfish that live at the bottom of the river, and because fish will get really big when they're in. You know, yeah. and so my, my, I heard that story, and so on this river, I was terrified of giant catfish. I remember we'd be like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We'd be out like, like, well, we, it was tubing where you're being pulled by an inner tube behind a boat instead of on skis. Yeah. And I remember like sometimes I would fall off the tube and I would like start to scream that the catfish were gonna get me. And I remember one time my dad, I, I have this very clear memory of being so mad at him. And it was such a minor thing that I remember we were on, we were trying to sleep, we were on the boat, and my dad got up and like just turned a flashlight on and looked up at the top of the boat. My mom's like, what was that? And my dad's like, oh, I thought I heard a catfish. And I remember being like, oh, it's catfish! Like, I was so scared of the catfish. Oh, they are kind of weird. They've got got mustaches. Yeah, yeah, little mustaches. And yeah, I remember my, my mom was saying she doesn't like to eat wild caught catfish at restaurants because she's afraid there's like some trace of human left in them because of when they ate those people that's on earth like so this it took me until i was an adult to order catfish at a restaurant realizing there's no way i'm eating catfish that ate a human being oh yeah no i I, yeah that's i love it also there's something so bizarre about something that you know it's normal size and then it getting oversized yeah. it's like turtles being flushed down the you know sewers and that kind yeah, of stuff yeah becoming ninjas yeah becoming ninjas yeah sure I mean, we're all, we <laughs> all live all with, that, with that threat every day of course right? yeah uh, you know that show wasn't called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the UK what was it called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles okay because kids couldn't cope with ninjas was too uh, <laughs> like too too ethnic and too uh, too violent so oh, they were so heroes funny. not ninjas that's I mean they so were still funny. ninjas yeah <laughs> 
little bit of anger. Did they did they change Ninja whenever it was said in the show too, or just for uh, the title? No, just the title. That's just what the title, just the theme tune, which I'm sure had like a British voice going, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Heroes <laughs> <laughs> in a do you have any, you know, irrational fears, like like phobias or I I get a little bit claustrophobic in crowds, which is weird because I'm a comedian. But mm. like when I'm on stage, I'm fine because I control the room. But when yeah. I'm like in a large group of people that are around me, moving fast and talking, I do get very like anxious and like I definitely that's why deep breath helps a lot sometimes yeah. and uh I also I will say and I'm a little embarrassed to admit this one I do occasionally when I sit on a toilet have that quick weird fear of like what if something comes up under the toilet because <laughs> like there's nothing you can do about it you know like it's like it's weird like and like what would come up I don't know and I don't want to know Are we back to turtles but you again? do yeah exactly back to the ninja turtles yeah hero the turtles is that because you saw the film the ghoulies Oh, I think it was the Ghoulies. I think that's what did that. Yes. That fucking poster campaign, man. That was, that was, I never saw the film. But yeah. That, that poster was in every video shop in the 80s when I was a kid. <laughs> and just, just this. And it was so, like, as a grown up, you go, oh, it was a Gremlins knockoff. It was yeah. like nothing. But th- that poster, that guy coming out of the toilet. Yeah. Was fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, and then, like, what a, what a terrible thing to do to parents that generation because they're just getting their kids to be able to use the <laughs> toilet regularly. And then, like, nope, something's going to come out of it and get you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Called the Ghoulies. Oh man! Now was that the one? Because like, I, they all, all those Gremlin knockoffs yeah. melt together in my head. Were the Ghoulies the ones, or were these, I think these might have been the Munchies, where <laughs> when they got like electrocuted, they turned into, like stone, and when they got shocked again, they turned back into the oh, monster. Man, I, yeah. I, I missed oh. all of these things. I just, I so I remember just seeing the posters in video shops. Right? Yeah. yeah, Munchies, which made me laugh. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, of course. There was like Munchies. There was Critters. Ah, uh, yeah, there were so many of those Gremlins knock. And Gremlins scared me as a kid before I realized it was, like, meant to be a comedy. Yeah. Like, and then well, what what stopped me from being scared of Gremlins mm. was I saw Gremlins 2, which is such mm. a ridiculous, absurd, weird movie that I, I just, at that point, I loved Gremlins One for, of as a kid. One of my favorite films. It's so time. great. Oh, oh, it's so good. That sketch they did on Key and Peele yeah. where the guy <laughs> came through and, like, pitched all the things, like, that was, like, death. You nailed this movie. So you mean, like, what if there was, like, a brainy Gremlin? <laughs> A brainy gremlin. You talking about a gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York? That's brilliant. It's in the movie done. Whoa, whoa, you you said that nothing was final. That was before I heard the words brainy and gremlin in the same sentence together. It's done. I love it. It's in the movie next. What about a uh, spider gremlin? You mean a gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Oh, my God. It's in the movie. I love it. Next. What about a bat gremlin? You mean a gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, bust through a wall, make a perfect bat symbol in the wall, get outside, get in some wet concrete, jump up on a building and just dry in place like a gargoyle gremlin? We are cooking with gas now. I love it. It's in the movie next. Could there be a female gremlin? Lipstick boobies, bitch, you have me and little gremlin but JJ. I love it so much that it's not only in the movie, but it's definitely in the movie. There's no backseats on that one, no penny taxis. Yes, 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 in the movie, done! That's why we need a woman in the writer's room. Next! Although, I, I got quite angry watching that Keen Pearl sketch because I was just like, you're not taking the piss out of Gremlins 2, are you? Because everything <laughs> yeah. they did in Gremlins 2 was awesome. Yeah, I love Gremlins 2. I think everything. it's one of them. Gremlins 2 and... I, I, have, I have played Greta the Gremlin for Halloween. A couple of times. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. She's, my, she's one of my go-tos. And Gremlins 2 is like, 
It's like, hey, let's take this like simple film about a, a monster invasion of a small town, and then we'll instead we'll make it about this weird satire consumer culture set in Trump Tower. I just remember it was Donald Trump. Yeah, it was fucking Trump Towers. Oh yeah, my God, well, it's, that's... it's Clamp Tower. Clamp but, Towers. Yeah, yeah. it's um. Oh, is it um? Daniel Stern. No, oh, it's it um, no, no. What's his name? It's um, it's Glover. It's not Danny Glover. Uh, that's a that's an African American cop yeah. movie guy. But it's like something like that. He was in because uh, I remember he played the father on Smallville. He played Lex Luthor's mm. father. But he, yeah, it's. Um, oh, we're looking up. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. The idea that there was that we are on the eve of Armageddon. Yeah, uh, and it's the guy from Gremlins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy. The guy. <laughs> you build a place for things, and things come. <laughs> and it's true because he's always like I got the best words and in that movie at the end like when they when they decided it's the biggest most sensational quiet little town you've ever seen oh my god it's exactly build a place for things and things, things will come, come. I think we need to render that because that's perfect yes. thank you so much Riley thanks for having thank me thank you bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.